Welcome. This is the World Football Program, 107.9 FM on Radio Fremantle. We're here every Saturday through to somewhere around November or December-ish. Depends what kind of events come up around that time. And if we want to keep going longer, one day we might go 12 months and not have a break at all. Sensational. Sign me up for that one, Pen. Okay. You've got myself, Penny Tannerhoth, in the driving seat today with wingman Hugh Best. Yeah. And special guest, Tim Slack. Good, Good morning, morning, everybody. Nice to be here. Great to see Penny and Huey. Welcome. Nice for you to come in, Tim. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, sir. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Remember that you can join our Facebook group conversations. The more you mention football stuff or comment there, the more likely we are to mention you on air as a contributor and say thank you very much for adding to the football conversations. We love you to share. And if you miss our show at all, go to the worldfootballprogram.com.au website. We're live with a little button there or you can go to the Radio Fremantle site and go live there. And also our podcast is on our webpage. All of the formal stuff out of the way there, except yep. for a big thank you to our sponsors. Yeah, thank you very much, Ben. I was going to do my uh, Pete Skiller there. You did mention the sponsors. <laughs> I'm about to mention the sponsors. The big three, as usual, uh, Futsal WA, care of Greg Farrell, the man who always enters the conversation yep. and tells us what's happening on the Futsal WA and Super League of Fronts, Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron, that's an AUS West Fencing custom-built fencing and gates, and gate and fence hardware for all the gate components that you might like to do it yourself. That's all the formalities out of the way. Another two hours of football is coming up, guests including Matilda's assistant coach, Mel Andriata. Well I'm sure I'm going to get the pronunciation a bit more spot on when she comes no, onto the program. Anne O'Dong <laughs> from Football Australia. Um, media in the women's football and community areas, talking about legacy football. Larissa Walsh, who is a top goal scorer from Perth Red Star FC. And a top person. She's a, a good a, a good player and is a good all-round person, definitely. She's moved over east to Calder United, who have a nice little affiliation with an A-League club, and we'll talk to her Ooh. about that. And then we'll finish up with Vince Matassa from the Football Hall of Fame, talking about the upcoming museum opening. Lots of football to talk about, boys. We'll start off with the week in football. A lot has happened, and yep. some good news on Perth Glory front. Ella Antonio's three-match ban has been reduced to two matches. So Which is good, I, and we discussed that one uh, our first week back, and I, I was a bit, a bit worried because it was a... F- yeah, there was a no-brainer. She was going to take – you get one for the red, you get another one for the offence, and I thought three was a bit harsh, but when you then put in an appeal, often the appeal goes, well, you're wasting our time, here's an extra week. But for them to take a week off is a sensible decision. So well done. So she'll be available this week, yes? Uh, hopefully, yep. We've got an away game this week and home game for the Perth guys, Perth yep. Glory guys. So At Fortress Massey. Yeah, we, we do. It's uh, full full of conversation and people and uh, vibe. I, I quite like going to Macedonia Park. Tim, have you caught any games at Macedonia Park and watched the glory? Um, not for a while, to be honest, Pen. No. It's a, it's a nice little place to go to, and yeah. it is. It's like a little boutique kind of uh, atmosphere, very different to HBF Park, but 
it's getting filled. So, you know, the guys are there with the drums, they're kind of a small sheddish component, but uh, all the stands are full as food trucks and, and all yep. the like. And you bump into people you know because it's so small and condensed that you just walk around the park, which is very easily, yeah. and you bump into people you know. So and that's all part of going to a game, right? The atmosphere is not just about the entertainment, it's about what's created off the pitch as well. Totally agree, totally agree. Yeah. But the thing is, Pen, wouldn't it be nice to be able to, say, travel down to Rockingham or go out to the goldfields or even into Perth and see 20,000 in the crowd. Yeah, we had, um, again, part of my history is from the goldfields. Glory came up there a couple of times for pre-season friendlies and they were playing at um, Sir Richard Moore Oval, which is the, a, an AFL ground, and that was packed. Mm. And that was just a pre-season. Uh, so, as you say, Tim, we, yeah, the, we had that discussion off air about the... the uh, again... I won't say lack of exposure, but but sometimes the overlooking of these regional centres, which uh, are some of the development hubs for a lot of players that we have currently knocking about, not only in the state leagues, but at, at higher levels. You know, it's not Hannah Lowry comes to mind immediately. Absolutely. And look, Larissa Walsh started the football in Albany. I and didn't know that. It's, it's not just about that, though. It's about that these areas are growing and yep. they're more populated yep. and the infill between those centres and mm. Perth mm. is... You know, filling up. Yes. yes. So, yeah. how are we going to service that? How are we going to keep the interest and the engagement, and also grow maybe a bit more of the brand as well? Yeah, absolutely mm. agree. And the question is, are we ready for it? So we want Ooh, it. We want yeah. it to grow. We want it to grow. But are we ready? Well, have we got have we got systems in place? I'll give you an example. You look at France, for example, La Fontaine. That's yeah. all. That's all government funded. Yep. So kids with talent and ability, they don't have to pay. You know, there's there's something there for them. And that pathway it starts and it leads them all the way to where they want to get to. What have we got here in WA? Yep. These are the questions we oh, need to yeah. ask. Well, the, the, the English Academy, I mean, that comes through the, uh, the, the National Lotto Scheme. So, again, it's, it's government funding, but that funding has to be raised somewhere. And we, we had that um, mooted j- just a few, uh, few weeks ago that maybe we need a, a national sports lottery so that sports such as ourselves and, and, and a few others. Um, you know, the, the, the Hockey World Cup was on uh, last week, the, the, the finals there. Who, who would know about that? I mean, the, the AIS Centre for Excellence is based in Perth, mm. yet there's a World Cup being held in a particular sport, but mm. because the funding isn't as it should be, mm. nobody hears about it. Mm. Mm. You know, Australia... It was, a, it was an Olympic qualifier. Mm. Australia ended up finishing... The fourth, they, you know, they made the, the, the third place playoff, but who knows about that if you're not involved in that particular sport? And, and on, on occasions, our sport is guilty of that, that we don't get the media coverage that we deserve or, or should be demanding. May, maybe that's the, the phrase I'm, I'm looking for, that yeah. if, if we demand, you know, the, the old, you know, if you build it, they will come. If you build the demand... It'll come. This is one thing I like about uh, Graham Arnold's appointment for another four years yep. is that he's really got Australian culture and the he development does. of football at his heart. Like he wants to see the AIS mm. or something similar reinstigated to Australia. So we've got a yep. home of football. Yeah. So we've got something that our pathways can aim at. Like you get picked in an Australian team, it's not just playing for Australia wherever. It's you're going to be going to a point where there's going to be other elite athletes from your sport there. Yep. And you'll see pictures of them on the walls. Mm-hmm. You'll see statues out the front. You'll have a place to be, a, a gathering of the elite. Yep, yep. And the sharing of cultures, the sharing of training uh, thought processes, 
And like you say, yeah. A common venue, a place to yeah, go. I mean, yeah. there must be a million different places the Socceroos and the Matildas have played at and trained at over the past nth number of years since the AIS was kind of dismantled as yeah. our, our yep. home base for mm-hmm. development. So there you go. Um, uh, D'Agostino did end up going to Viking FK. He so did. He's he's off, and uh, I really oh, like him. A, 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 I've forgotten his name now. The young lad from uh, Sydney FC went to Viking as well. Uh, before, one of their one of their academy players before Daggers did no no just uh, was um, Corica was on the a particular sports channel yesterday going we're not going to stand in the way of youngsters going anywhere but he went to Viking FC that it just tweaked me the, the fact that it's with Sydney FC and I don't really give too much of a, a thought process to uh, anything other than the glory but yeah one of their youth players who was according to Corica one of the highest uh, paid transfers for a academy player from Sydney FC history okay I've got some homework I'll see if I can find that in the break what his name was but you know <clears throat> or you can always text in on our Facebook page and go, Huey, it's X. But, yeah. That's it. A young lad oh, going to Viking bit, as well. I'm a bit sad to see um, Daggers go. Oh, I thought he added value to our football entertainment here. He sad did. to see him leave Perth Glory, of course. But yeah, exactly. sad to see him leave Australian Shores. But, yeah, good luck to but him. But Tim and I, were, again, you should have, we should have had the mics on about an hour ago. The, the conversation we had is exactly that, that if um, you develop a way, it shouldn't be any, any impediment to your development as a, as a player. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Right. And, and the thing is, you know, for me, the real visionaries and the real entrepreneurs in football are, for example, the, the, the people who do say, buy an academy. Yeah. Now, you know, for example, I, I worked with Fraser and he had Football Star Academy. Okay, so that was fantastic. I'm currently working with Yuri at Grasshoppers. And these, these people are actually putting their money where their mouth is and they are actually saying, this is what we need to do. You know, we can't... I mean, the volunteers and the helpers at clubs have been fantastic and they continue to grow the game, which is it's wonderful. But the thing is, can't rely on the volunteers to give a professional yep. a yep. professional uh, experience to, to the kids. I would be interested to know if in a football-rich country like, uh, say, England, do they have all these kind of academies like we do yeah. popping up or are they associated with clubs that have their own pathways and, and mainly just Well, that? it's mainly clubs. So if I put my West Bromwich Albion cap on, um, our Chinese billionaire paper owner, um, when we're in the Premier League, you need to have a, an A-class academy. That, that, that's a no-brainer. If you, if you get promoted, that's it. When we got relegated, he went, oh, I can cost a cut here and our A-League youth academy... It's basically a C plus now because he just went. I'm not putting the money in it because I don't need to anymore because the division we're in, it's not necessary. So the higher up you go, the um, the more it is expected and demanded that your youth academy is of a higher standard. Yes, got it. So a club such as Burnley, who were relegated last season, they wouldn't have touched their youth academy setup because their expectation is to be promoted back into the Premier League, and they're doing everything in their power to do that. I mean, they're still 18 points clear, top of the table. So their youth academy basically has taken a little bit of a dip, but but not not as much as my club, for example. So you wouldn't see... So a club, club like Stoke or a club like Sunderland, who have been so far out of the, the Premier League for so long, their youth academies is nowhere near what it, what it should be, what we would expect it to be, and what it could be. But because they, they don't need to. But they still have it, right? Some of them do. If we, and again, one of my favourite bugbears, hello listeners, is Brentford. Brentford are now in the Premier League 
And they were told, you need to come up with a youth academy system because their business model is to not develop youth. It's to go to, because they're a London club, go to other London clubs such as Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea and go, oh, that young lad, 15, 16, 17-year-old who you've now said is surplus to your requirements because we can buy whoever we like. Brentford come in and go, son, come and play for us and when you develop into the player that we think you're going to be, we can sell you off. Ollie Watkins comes to mind immediately. They, they, they put absolutely zero dollars into Ollie Watkins' development, put him in the first team, sold him for 50 mil. So this brings to mind if you have very good commercial operators yep. in the professional space, mm-hmm. they'd want to have those academies and those oh, yeah. pathways so they don't have a need. There's, there's no space in, in the commercial environment and surrounds to have other academies. Yeah. Here, let's put that uh, thought here in WA where we've got semi-professional football mm-hmm. and we've got a lot of commercial academies springing up all over the place to take advantage of the fact that the clubs don't have their own systems in place. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it comes back to what you were saying, Tim, is that yeah. people want to jump in that space so that um, you know people want to invest in having coaches bring players in mm. to develop their skills and then where do the players go? Back to clubs or yeah. they're, they're already in clubs getting developed and then all their pathways to elsewhere? Well, you know, again, so if, a I, if I put my, be, you know, let's bash Brentford yeah. uh, hat back on, Perth Glory, their academy system, supposedly, and I'm, I'm happy to be corrected, is better than Brentford's because Brentford's don't have one. The Glory have a youth academy system. They've got a pretty extensive one. Yeah, so... We have the framework, we have the thought process to, to develop and I've just found it. It's young Patrick Yazbeek, uh, the Sydney FC player who's gone to Viking with, gotcha. uh, with Economides. Mm. Economides or uh, Agostino? Agostino? Yeah, okay. Sorry. Sweet. All right, Sorry. now, now um, let's just wrap up a few more news that's happening. Um, uh, if you didn't see it, there was a terrible injury in the Adelaide and um, Melbourne game last week where mm. former Perth Glory one day um, had his leg broken and uh, he's had surgery yep. and he's you know healing from that. But uh, whew, thoughts out to him because that was pretty major. Yeah. It stopped the game for a, a while. And yeah, then... there was uh, issues with the ambulance getting to the to the venue. Yeah, and, and I thought we might just have a, s- a small chat about that, is mm. that um, apparently the government had stopped funding ambulances yes. to the games. That's but right. I'm thinking, why are they even funding them? Why isn't the mm. league funding them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't get that. Maybe someone well, again, can if we go with the, with the powerhouse of sport in this particular country, they have put their hand out to the government and said, "We're not paying that. You can," and that is irregular. So you look at the AFL. I've mentioned their name. They have government funding for the ambulance. The AFL don't, as far as I'm aware. Again, happy to be corrected. They don't pay that, or it's at least subsidised. So eventually, government has to say, "There's a there's a finite pot here." We can't, we can't continue. So yes. lesser sports, and if I use hockey again, hockey would be in the same situation. So the, so the uh, Australian Hockey League wouldn't have ambulances stationed during that game. What do you, what do you reckon about that, Tim? Oh, it's, it's a disgrace, really. I mean, at the end of the day, it, um, health and safety and, you know, it's, it's a hard one, but there should be, the ambulances really, for me, should, be, should, be, should go. Yeah, mm. even though it might be a small risk. They should be present, especially oh, yeah. professional football. And, and yeah. with the heat that we have in summer, yep. heat exhaustion yeah. oh, and so yeah. forth, I think that just the, the risk is there. I mean, there's medical practitioners on, on each club staff, so th- it's not like there's nobody there to help. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, we've, we've seen a few of those films where, is there a doctor in the house? And, and there's usually a doctor in the house, but, you know, ambulances, 
they're, they're expensive. Anyone who's had a, a need to call an ambulance well, who yeah. don't have the insurance, that bill will come and it is, holy, what the? Crowdfunding, here we come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah and, and that's why, uh, yeah, unfortunately that, that, that occurred. Another another point I wanted to bring up is the um, second division for the men's the nominations wow. are open for that. Uh, yeah, jump in with any comments. I mean, yeah. Tim, the story goes with this is that um, the last few years we've had yep. um, the second division to the A-League, the underpinning yeah. league there, um, yeah. kind of the you know, discussions and infrastructure is, is, is slowly being laid down with that and now they're asking for nominations for clubs. It's, and you're doing a lot of sighing there, Hugh. What I does am, that mean? I am because... Uh, good again, idea again, not a good well, idea? Well, not no, really no, I'm moving on, on another show on, on Saturday mornings and I was saying this very topic this morning. If a club like, and let's just use the Knicks, Wellington Phoenix, hello Aaron Trevathan, if your club gets relegated from the A-League, what division are they playing in? Are they playing in the Australian Second Division, which is what they're yes, mooting here? Proposing, yep. Are you telling me the Wellington Phoenix, who, as with a few clubs in the A-League, don't have a great deal of funding, they're surviving and they're doing quite well, but they've not, they're not going to be playing in an Australian Second Division. It's just not happening. So, so flip that, right? Would they then not want to future-proof themselves with better structures, funding, resources, so that does not happen? Have a look at Everton. Everton are in, are in, and have been for the last couple of seasons are in serious danger of being relegated. Look at Sunderland, mm. Portsmouth, Le- Leeds United. Leeds United four years after making the European Cup semi-finals were relegated and relegated again. They went down to the third tier of English football. Do you think they were future-proofed about relegation? We are going to come back to this Hello. conversation on another time because we are going yeah, to go to a break. Are. But <laughs> Tim, before we before we go to a break, just uh-huh. give us a quick wrap of your yourself. Like. Um, What's your football agenda and, um, you know, why are you here today? Well, I'm passionate about the game, you know. I'm saying to you before we came on air that um, I'm back now with grassroots um, coaching right at the bottom, so I've come full circle. I've coached, um, you know, I coached you, Penny. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you remember back in the day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was a long time ago. Yes, it was. (laughs) (laughs) So so the thing is, I've I've done all sorts of coaching at all levels and all abilities and I just love it. So my 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 effort here is to raise the profile of the game. So the question I ask and put it out there, maybe people think about it, is is the game stuck? Are we stuck? And if we are stuck, can we be honest? And how can we bring it together? How can we make the game grow more? Because at the moment, me looking at it at the top level, we, we could do a lot better. Okay. And that's where that second vision comes in. But looking at that uh, thing that James... Um, Johnson put out, they don't even have a start date. They go, oh, we think it might start March next year. You, you, you think? Like, well, are, you, are you just throwing darts at, at, at a board going, triple 20? Oh, damn, know, that, that, that's, that's double one. You're unlucky. I'd be asking, where's the funding coming from? Yep. I'd be asking, what resources? Yep. What's the infrastructure? And what all the, yep. um, the criteria is? And I think they put the criteria on that post as a kind of a, a basic uh, summary of everything. So we won't go through it, but th- they are starting to lay down those things. And I guess the clubs that are dinkum that want to get into that space, they will bring the resources with them and they'll have sponsorship because it's going to involve playing some travel. contracts for players with salaries paid 52 weeks of the year. Yep. Tell it, me what club in Australia is doing that now. It's like mm. another A-League. Yeah. It's, a second, well, it's a second tier of the A-League, it, B-League or whatever they'll again, call we, it. We've had more than a few on here. Um, Tony Sage... Literally, I said that's not happening. 
Gary Morocchi said the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and if it does, there won't be any club in the current format from WA joining that, uh, that second division. So how is it a national second division if, if one of the biggest states in the country aren't involved? Hold that thought. Oh. Going to a break. <laughs> Back soon. This is the World Football Program with Penn, Tim and Hugh. Oswest Fencing and Raw Tine is a fourth-generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install, or automate your gates, offer electronic security, or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Tine. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening in to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels, all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Welcome back to the World Football Program, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. That's always a mouthful. But yep. it comes out very easy these it does days. Indeed. <laughs> You're joined by myself, Penny Tannerhoth, Hugh Best, and Tim Slack in the studio. And Mel Andriata is our guest, the assistant to Tony Gustafson, the Matildas coach. Welcome to the show, Mel. Thanks, Penny, um, Hugh, and Tim. Uh, thanks for having me. It's our no, pleasure, Mel. No problems Hi, Mel. at all. Hi, Hey. <laughs> well, you are new to our show and to our listeners. So tell us about your journey to arrive where you are right now. Oh, how long have we got? <laughs> <I think. laughs> Dot points. Um, I'll keep it. I'll keep it short. Um, my journey's been a, an interesting one, full of adventures, um, fun challenges, but a lot of learning, to be honest. And from from a player who transitioned into a player coach into full time coaching, I think all of this has been driven by an absolute passion for the game and. And working with others uh, to help them realise their dreams, fulfil their potential and, and achieve success along the way. Wonderful. And football background, some things that we'll pick up uh, and, and recognise, Brisbane Raw, Brisbane Strikers. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, 
I suppose I was at Brisbane Raw for a, a long time. I was an assistant coach to Jeff Hopkins when he was there and then um, Belinda Wilson as well. And then I sort of moved into the head coaching role uh, before I, I left and, and went into um, the men's game and coached in the NPL League up here in, um, in Brisbane. Um, and then through all that, I was maintaining um, my assistant role with the Matildas and then that became full-time in 2021. So um, I'm fortunate now that my full focus is on, on football and, and in specific, uh, specifically the Matildas. And I guess that's kind of important going into a World Cup year, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, you sound very <laughs> passionate and excited about just being involved in football. And I guess like um, most of us who have been around football for a long time, the 100% 52 weeks um, getting paid fully professional part yep. of that is the exciting part for those that uh, you know have come through that journey. And you said 2021, you landed full time in the role. So I'm, I'm guessing it's probably a dream job for you and something that you've wanted forever. Yeah. yeah, I think when you're that kid, uh, I, I can remember um, watching, you know, our Olympic athletes mm. uh, compete and thinking, wow, you know, they, they get to do that full time. I guess when you're a kid, you don't realise that they're probably in that era, the 90s, early 2000s, were still having to work part time or, mm-hmm. um, you know, find a way to pay their bills. And then I went to the 2000 Olympic Games and got to watch our Australian national team play at those games as well and you're looking at them and still I was a you know early 20s or teenager then thinking how do they get to do this full-time I, I want to be that person um, and be able to offer that support um, full-time and, and I suppose it can it, the common um, element was this drive to give back to the game or help the game grow when players grow um, and a hunger to work hard and, and make it possible so that um, you really earn those opportunities and you're in a position to take them when, when you're given them. I think that you're probably an understudy if that's not, not a, a bad way, that it's, it's a, in a really good way and that uh, you'll be mentored and supported and, and, mm. and helped um, under Tony Gustafsson so that post-World Cup that you'll step into his role. Is that the plan? Ooh. Uh, let me say this: It's you know I, I I'm aspirational and I want to coach uh, at the highest level and and help my country. I I love Australia and 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 I believe in our potential to um, to achieve big things. And if that's an opportunity that comes uh, my way down the track, um, of course I'd be excited about it. But right now, all I'm focused on is what we're going to do with this Cup of Nations, how we're going to use that um, to train for tournament mode going into the World Cup and being the best coach I can be for Tony, for our tech team and, and for the players. And, and that's all I, I can do right now in order to be at my best and leave the future to the future right now. Good one, Tim. Hi, Mel. It's Tim again. How are you? Good, Tim. Yeah, you can tell by my accent I'm not originally from Australia. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> so anyway, we'll leave that for for a minute. Um, the thing okay. is, on that thing that Penny mentioned there about scholar uh, about um, being a mentored coach and going through a system. Do you know if there is anything as as football uh, federation Australia or any of the re- or any of the state bodies got a mentorship or a scholarship for yeah. up and budding coaches? And if not, why not? No, hundred percent. I've. 
Um, sorry if I wasn't clear earlier. I've come through a lot of different programs, both through Football Australia and through the Australian Institute of Sport um, to further develop my skills as a leader and as a coach. And yes, I have people around me like Tony Gustafson right now. I've had um, Ante Milicic. I've mm-hmm. had Alan Stadzic. I've had all these wonderful people um, around me helping me in a practical sense. But Theoretically as well, both Football Australia and the Australian Institute of Sport have provided me with opportunities through programs that they either run and organise themselves or collaborate together to to set up to give me the skills and um, to keep challenging me to be an even better coach or leader. And right now, um, that that exists. There's a Gen um, 2032 program that's up and running a collaboration between the Australian Institute of Sport, our state institutes, for example, the Queensland Academy of Sport. We have some emerging female coaches involved with that here right now. And um, I I can't say specifically what's happening around the other states, but I'm sure that's the case as well. But certainly we have coaches involved in the AIS take on that program. And um, we're constantly being sent... um, communication from our um, human resource department with Football Australia about opportunities to learn and um, and keep growing as, as people in the different departments of the organisation. So there's been plenty of opportunity that's ongoing for coaches and all members of Football Australia to keep developing their skills. That, that sounds good. It'd be really interesting to know if we've got that over here in WA. How much how much digging around do we have to find that? Because, for example, there's a, there's a, a mate of mine, a, a young uh, coach, working actively working down in Dunsborough and I'll just read yeah. it. and he's been he, he took a group of young boys to play in Brisbane uh, last year sure. at Brisbane Strikers yeah. so you know Brisbane Strikers and and yeah. he said that Tim he said it's they're so far advanced over there at Brisbane with their setup and everything that they do you know now he he's he's residing in Dunsborough who's been in the southwest mm-hmm. uh, Jack mm-hmm. for many many years now seven years plus He's worked for Football West. He's worked for the different, mm. you know, the different organisations. And the only way, really, he's getting any traction or developing is is by setting up his own academy. So he's got yeah. his own academy. And the thing is, you know, some of the things he says, uh, for example, quickly read, uh, you know, for the game to truly develop and evolve, mm. we all need a clear understanding of what success looks like from a grassroots mm. grassroots level through to professional and to see clearly the structure of the football pyramid. Mm. So again, like I mentioned to to Penn earlier on in the show, is have we got a system? And if we haven't Mm. got a system, we need a system. And the system needs to flow from FFA right the way through into each region. Once we've got the system in place, we know where we're going. I'll give you another quick example. (laughs) Let Mill respond. Sorry, 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 Mel. Sorry, Mel. Yeah, you you go ahead. One at a time, one at a time. Um, well, I think um, all I can say is I, I'm not um, privy to all the contact that Football Australia, the coach ed department has with, with each member federation and, and how that's filtered down and, and same from the AIS. While I'm on that point, I guess anyone that's listening, um, create a bookmark to the Australian Institute of Sport for all their coaching leadership programs that are you know open to most people. There might be some criteria to apply for some, but... Um, there's regular things online that you can apply for and be a part of. And I'm sure um, through Coach Ed Workshops, that applies for member fed coach education programs too. We have created um, somewhat of a, um, 
I guess, a pathway for coaches. We know better coaches, it's it's an old slogan, but I think a good one, better coaches create better players. And there's, um, yeah, that um, structure of our community um, pathways and coaching into the accredited pathway of coaching, I guess you could say the professional pathway um, that coaches can follow. And along that, there's, um, you know, CPD points you've got to maintain in order to keep your licence and, and that's sort of run by member federations. But I'm sorry I'm not the expert and maybe I should know more about what's happening in WA. But um, okay. When you're the World Cup coach yeah. next time, when yeah. we ask you yeah. that, you'll know, no problems. Just, yeah. just a quick one there, Mel, because there's so yeah. many questions we'd love to ask you is, for example, yeah. you've got Sam, you know, Sam Kerr and yeah. WA got fantastic, doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Okay, the question I say to you is, how would you and Tony Gustavson feel if you had 10? You've got 10 Sam Kerrs. Not all, one. All from West Australia, too. Well, it doesn't... And, it doesn't, and, and again, it doesn't <laughs> Then we might to. get a Matilda's game here in Perth. <laughs> and, and, oh, well, it would hey, fit in with our mentality, score more goals than the opponents. So it's all about creating more. So if we can create more... Yeah. You can't fail, you know. But when yeah. you we you rely on on one Sam Kerr, uh, and we hope it doesn't happen. God willing, it doesn't happen that Sam Kerr was to get injured for the for the World Cup. We don't. But if she did, who's the next one coming in? And so football has to have, and especially in Australia, you structure need, and you yeah, have to have identification. Yes, you yeah, do. Yeah. You do. You have to have well, scouts. In well, hang on, hang on. Me but, first. You two. Come yeah, on, no, let me ask that, that's You good. know what? <laughs> On this as well, I'd love in the yeah. um, future, you know, Ray Dower, our newly appointed women's technical yes. director, she's working hard on all this together with um, Trevor Morgan, who was sort of that yeah. interim role, but with Ernie Merrick. Um, and soon, very soon, um, you know, there'll be information about that that ties our whole activity and schedule together and, and the public, um, you know, every Australian could see what's mm. happening when, where, in terms of... Um, we should get you know, on to the yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll, um, you we'll know, say... she talks about you know a performance programs for coaches that um, we're supporting them outside of leagues or, or competitions. So um, there's lots of exciting things coming up in that space too. So let's talk about player identification. So we have one Sam Kerr. How many West Australian mm-hmm. players are in the Matilda squad? Everyone, just just the one, just Sam Kerr at the moment. Yep, at the moment. Well, yeah. Unless, we, unless yep. we include Mackenzie Arnold. Well, where or yeah, Lydia exactly. Williams. Lily Williams? Yeah, she's yeah. from West Australia. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, Three. T- talent identification, we're coming up into the um, Cup of Nations, uh, yeah. and then uh, I'm not sure if there's any more tournaments, but then there's the, the Women's World Cup yeah, right. uh, that we've got right mm-hmm. here in Australia. So, w- w- do we assume at this point, Mel, that all the identification that could have been done has been done, and we're now looking at the squads that have been performing over the past couple of years are going to be kind of... Uh, narrow down until they get to the the final selection. Is that how you're operating at the moment? Uh, in part, I think what I can say and what you've probably already worked out with with that summary is that eighty to eighty five percent of the squad has been pretty consistent, yep. right? Since yes. last year, and um, I guess there's still room uh, for the twenty or the fifteen mm-hmm. percent because we. We still have players that are unavailable for this window yep. um, that are injured um, and players that are returning and, and that creates competition. So even though those spots have been, let's say, consistent, they're not guaranteed. It's all about performance. But we, we have done a lot of work in the last 18 months, yeah. two years. You know, nearly 100 players 
have been in our high-performance environment during this time for us to look at. We've had 54 alone into our um, senior national team camp set up. Um, Tony and I were at the NYC um, in Coffs Harbour um, this year. It was mm-hmm. great that it finally, you know, came back after a terrible time and, you know, non-activity due to due to COVID. We couldn't get to NTC, but we had other national team staff there because of the class um, with, with schedule and, and our national team activity. So I think we're doing our best um, and there'll always be different opinions about this talent is ready now or, uh, you know... In the future, or why aren't they in now? But right now, I think you know we've done our best, and we're we're continuing to try and do our best to identify talent. And the ones we are watching, um, we keep monitoring them with clear processes amongst us, so that uh, we can keep track of their progress. That's that's excellent, Mel. And I was going to bring up those points, but Penny kept going. No, 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 one. <laughs> can can you tell us about uh, Claire Hunt, please? Um, you know, she's the latest to be called up, and again, as you said, uh, Mel, she's the fifty fourth player that uh, Tony has looked at for his uh, 23 and 23. You know, so captain of the of the Wanderers, a lot of people I speak to say, well, you know, the, the, the women's A-League is being overlooked by Mr Gustafsson. Well, that's clearly not true. There's about seven players in the yeah, current squad from the right. A-League. Well, yeah. That's uh, of the 25 or so in the current squad, that's, well, it's about a third, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> and, I mean, there's only... Um, so many spots yes, and, right. and, it, and especially and we've said it before but I think I need to say it again it's so competitive and tough in our in our midfield and, and mm. front third to, to break into we, we do have a lot of depth there but we've also acknowledged that there's a lot of we're still doing a lot of work on creating depth and um, in our defensive line and, and Claire Hunt is one of the many yep. um, defenders that we've been monitoring Mm-hmm. And keeping an eye on this is her, you know, fifth season in the league. So she's been around for a while. Previous Matilda head, head coaches have had an eye on her as well, and it's just unfortunate for her. She had injuries yeah. at you know, at poor times, yes. <laughs> and then she then wasn't available. But she's in a great place now. She's injury free. She's feeling. I spoke to her the other day. She's feeling great. She's feeling more ready than ever, and she's been given an opportunity. Then we'll see if she can take it. Um, and, and where she's at when she comes into camp. And I think that's um, really important to acknowledge that um, the A-League has an incredible uh, role to play in the, the journey and the development of the player. It's not the full stop in their pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, it never has been. So I think, you know, this is another step because of good performances, long, consistent performances in the A-League women's for Claire Hunt and, and we'll see um, how she goes when she takes the next step up and comes into the national team camp. A, a couple of teams there, uh, sorry, a couple of things there. Um, Junior Matildas, three West Australians have been selected in the squad, yep. Jess Skinner, mm-hmm. Ruby Cuthbert and Ishia Brooking, which is fantastic, yes. uh, Jess yep. being a goalkeeper. So it's always great to see West Australians follow the pathway. I did want to make the comment that the in the Junior Matildas, it I noticed that every player had come from the State Academy or the NTC program. So mm-hmm. I, I just wondered if there was any, uh, I don't know if you, you're able to tell me, was there any identification outside that or these are the best players that were identified from the uh, NTC championships? Yeah, right. I, in terms of this particular camp, I can't speak, um, to be frank, um, completely specific about the process, but knowing Ray uh, Dower, who's the head coach of that program, um, she's a former teacher, she's been involved in Clubland, 
Um, yeah. I'm sure she's um, turned every stone talking to club coaches, um, NCC or academy coaches about players uh, to come to the decision that she um, has. And, and I know she's had a lot of elite games and different things and travel the country. So um, I'm sure, like I said, she's turned every stone to identify the talents that she thinks ready is, are ready now and is monitoring those that haven't made the camp this time for ongoing progress and performance or opportunities down the track. Great answer. On, on that one, Mel, is there uh, the run-up now to the World Cup is very, very close. So is there a dedicated scout, for example, that, that's got the brief to go and watch games um, around the country or is it all being put onto one person, for example, Ray? Uh, in terms of like one national team or just talent in general? Well, well Jimmy. either or. I mean, is, is, there a, yeah. is there a scout dedicated? And, and do no. you, it, you know... Uh, in, yeah, in terms of um, the national team space, senior space anyway, we've created, a, I guess, a calendar, a schedule of how we use our time to get around to all the A-League women's games and NPL games in between seasons to identify and monitor talent. And um, each youth national team has the same process as well. But as a whole, all the national team staff are a part of, a part of that um, scouting process. Mm-hmm. And then... Ultimately, um, it, it will come down to um, the head coach to make final decisions, of course. But um, we, we don't pin it. There's not a specific role, if you're asking me, mm. um, for scouting at the moment. It, it's left for the technical teams and we work together to identify talents, discuss them. And then, of course, you know, at the end of the day, the head coach makes the final call. OK, then. And how, how do you think you're going to go in the final against England? <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you said we're in the final, Tim. Good job. <laughs> An age-old battle. <laughs> hey, I'm looking forward to not even thinking about that, but imagine, can you, I cannot wait yeah, for this fantastic. first game against the Irish. Yeah, 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 that yeah, stadium yeah, yeah. is going to be packed. The Irish, yeah. Are going to go nuts. It's yeah. going to be fantastic. Well, we've got the, uh, the the Canada versus Ireland game over here in Perth, yes. and you you can't buy a ticket. It, it, it sold out yeah. basically within an hour. Yeah. Uh, wow. From from what I understand, like some of my Irish friends go, "What do you mean you got a ticket?" I said, "Yeah." And they said, "Well, how much?" I said, "No, mate. <laughs> just the way you're getting that." Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just, just before you let you go, Mel, mm-hmm. um, just to refresh with our listeners, what's Upcoming now between here and the World Cup, we're gonna we're gonna smash Spain eight 0 like they did to us, the cheeky buggers. <laughs> I mean, we were we were injured well, we're in and a beaten. Place now it's a clean slate, and we always yep. go into every game believing we can ask questions of any team. Yep. And and on that point, we've got the Cup of Nations coming up, yep. um, starting on the twelfth. Um, it's going to be um, fantastic. Our camp starts then, and and the first games on that Saturday. Um, in Gosford there. So Cup of Nations we're using to replicate the group stage of, of the World Cup. Yep. We're, we're really um, putting, I guess, the expectation on ourselves um, so that we can take whatever learnings from that experience with a tournament at home in the Cup of Nations and take them into our World Cup preparation. And then after the Cup of Nations, we have a window in April um, where we'll be um, playing another couple of friendlies of course, important steps for us to prepare for the World Cup. And then after that, it's full focus on the, the group stage and, and the first game of 
of that group stage against Ireland in our final preparations for that opening game. Brilliant. Will the friendlies be here or elsewhere? Oh, I was going to ask that. Oh. And I don't mean here in Perth, but generally in Australia. Oh, I was going to ask in Perth. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm uh, able to say that now. I don't know what public knowledge, but okay. we're definitely um, active in April in the FIFA windows. Okay. And, and, hey, if anything else, everyone bookmarks the Matildas.com page so you're up to date with all that information yeah. as soon as it is public knowledge. Yeah. Mel, you've been absolutely superb for a first timer. You can come back, young lady. No problems oh. and, and chat more with us. We'd love to have you. Thank you. <laughs> good one. We appreciate your time today. We've been talking with Mel Andriata. Mel, good luck with everything yeah. that you do. And, good luck, Mel. And we hope to catch you again before the World Cup. Thank you so much, team. To I'm you humbled that you invited me on, on the show. Thank you. Good on yeah, you. Good See luck. you, Mel. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That was Mel Andriata from the Matilda set up the assistant coach to yep. Tony Gustafsson. And as Mel was saying, that, that Cup of Nations, uh, if you were to look at that as a World Cup group, uh, Matildas, yes. Spain, Czechia and Jamaica. You yep. think, oh, my goodness. You know, you Czechia. Think, I che- keep thinking Czechoslovakia in my it, head. Yeah, no, they've changed their name. Thank you very yeah, much, Penn. Yeah, okay. And uh, the first game is uh, for the Matildas. No, the first game is on Thursday the 16th which is um, Matildas versus Chechia. That's a 7-10 kickoff, AET, and then Spain-Jamaica. Match day two, Sunday the 19th, uh, Jamaica versus Chechia, Matildas versus Spain, and we owe them a flogging. We <laughs> owe them a flogging. Where is this, you? The, these are over, over Go- East, so um, the, the first match day one is in uh, Gosford, as Mel said. Match day two will be in the Combank Stadium in Sydney, and match day three which is Chechia, Spain, and the Matildas versus Jamaica will be at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle. So they're all eastern states because the New South Wales state government has said, bucket load of money. Thank you very much. Yes. Now, we will talk about the night series. Will we? Damn it. Men's, not now, but the men's and and women night series. uh, Information on that uh, maybe after we have a chat to Anne and before we have a chat to Larry. So you be prepped for that, young man. Uh, I'm I'm going to get Anne on the line. So this is Penn, Tim and Hugh talking football for the next hour and a bit-ish. We're going to come and speak with Anne Udong from Football Australia next. Stay tuned. Listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation, and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 9258 6822. Or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au Station sponsor. Greatness is all around us. On pitches, fields and playgrounds. At home and far away. It lives in the past it's in the faces we look up to and in those we see every day greatness is all around us it takes us beyond limitations beyond possibility beyond doubt 
beyond expectations. The only question is, where will it take us next? Welcome back to the World Football Program. Pen, Hugh and Tim in the studio. And our next guest is Anne O'Dong, the women's football and community media person, liaison officer, representative from Football Australia. The title is so long, Anne. Can I just say, hi, Anne. (laughs) Hi, Pen. How are you guys going? Really good. Thanks for joining us. There's a lot happening in the background there. Tell us what's happening. Yeah, I'm currently at Cromer Park where the Combank Pararoo, who our Australian men's mm-hmm. national team for players with cerebral palsy, uh, quad brain injury or symptoms of stroke, they're about to play the United States in their first friendly in two, three years. Brilliant. So, That's fantastic. Fantastic um, day. Fantastic. So, yeah, it's a great day and the, the boys are absolutely pumped. But I was listening to the fantastic conversation, Pen. Yes. Remember how I was your grasshopper? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now mine, and I'm pretty chuffed after Ooh. that. <laughs> and I'm and, and I'm still I am still doing grasshoppers, so I'm a big grasshopper. <laughs> Good job! Wow, I, I like the the background um, little atmosphere thing. Yeah, we love it. What is that? Marching yeah. music? Are they playing marching music? No, it's it's some other kind of music. But yeah, no, it's just um. Just Arriving at Cromer Park and they're getting getting the music pumping for the fans who are going to be coming into the game. Excellent, great. So, tell us about your portfolio at the moment. What what's under the portfolio name for Anne? Hey, sorry, just one second. You guys are going to listen to everything in. Sorry, these are the um, bibs for the photographers that are coming through. Um, so, if you can just pass them out. That would be <laughs> Thank you so much. That's all right. Okay, I'll, how many have gone through? Okay, I'll grab a couple. Thank you. Get a couple for me as well, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. No, that's all right. That's exactly no, what we want. Right, yeah, right. yeah. Brilliant. Back to business. Tell us what's in your portfolio <laughs> at the moment, Anne, besides handing out bibs. Yeah. So I work um, in the media and communications department, looking after all the women's national teams from the senior Matildas through to the under-20s um, the Young Matildas, Combank Young Matildas and the under-17s, mm. the Combank Junior Matildas, as well as the uh, Combank Pararoos and the Combank Paramatildas, our men's women's national teams for para football. As well as that, I look after community football and diversity and inclusion. So, you have, you have said that many dear. times. And one of the things that... Um, you're you now, you're talking with such confidence and experience now and always passion and, and encyclopedic knowledge that you have. You're now role modelling, like you said, for other people who want to have your job and that's so great. Yeah, and I think it's one of those places where I think football has grown so much that there's an ecosystem of not just being a player but you can be a media manager or you can be a videographer or a photographer or you can be a coach like Mel or a um, match official like Kate Jackowitz who's going to the Women's World yeah. Cup or you can be an administrator like Sarah Walsh who went from being a player to an administrator. And there she does so a many great job now. doing match commentary, Sarah yeah. Walsh, by the way. And there's so many fantastic roles now in football for, for people to be involved in. Yes, love loving hearing female voices in the football TV space now yeah, and, and streaming, like yeah. in match yeah, comments, exactly. hosting I, I, shows, all, all yeah, that's great. Yeah, we've been commentary as well. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, legacy programs leading into the Women's World Cup. There, I know there's lots happening in that space. You go for it. Yeah, 
yeah, there's plenty happening. And then just said Sarah Walsh is the um, head of women's legacy, women's World Cup legacy. Uh, we've got the Legacy 23 strategic plan, which is what we launched back in 2021. And the whole point of that plan was that normally when it comes to major tournaments, everyone talks about legacy after the tournament. And we yeah. didn't want to do that. We wanted to actually have legacy happening even in the lead-up to the tournament. I'm so, so happy that, uh, that that you've l- like put your hands on that and you're doing something about it pre because it's the post part mm. that unless we make use beforehand, we, we don't get the post part. So well done. Exactly. It's, it's the old adage of, you know, um, failing to plan means planning to fail. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, so we've made sure that we kind of do that and we've got five pillars. Uh, the main ones I can talk to are leadership and development, participation, um, and also community facilities. I mean, our specific plan is around making sure that we become the first participation sport in Australia, first community sport in Australia to have gender um, parity, 50-50. We're currently at 25%. We've gone up from 22% when we first started, 2021. Um, We're now at 25%. And we want to get that to 50% by 2027. So that means we want 400,000 more women and girls being involved in the game. And, of course, that means then where are the facilities to make that happen? Where are the grounds? Mm-hmm. Where are the pitches? Mm-hmm. Where are the lights that you can have longer training sessions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having those real conversations with governments of we are the biggest participation sport in Australia and we would like to be funded like that. And that's where a lot of that conversation happens around in the community facilities. Participation, we're bringing up all sorts of new programs. We've got things like Soccer Mums, which is around having mums who are dropping off their kids instead of sort of standing around like they normally do. Come across, go have a training session, get involved in the game. Yeah. Um, all of these kind of different initiatives. Um, our Paramatildas are a part of our All Abilities and Inclusion program. Again, so, you know, one of the things about um, Cerebral Palsy, which is one of the main um, sort of football um we work with is football allows them to engage all parts of and all facets of their body and brain. So the Cerebral Palsy Alliance of Australia actually really encourages um, people with CP to play the game. So in our Paramatildas, for example, we've got an Olympic bronze medalist in Javelin and we've got a dual Olympian winter and summer in Ray Anderson and they've switched to play football for Australia. Yeah, nice. Uh, it's fantastic. I've worked with disabled people, Anne, so I know it's. I know what a great job you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. And, you know, part of it is around we want to show women and girls football is open. Football is for you, no matter how you want to do it. Um, one of the key uh, programs we're running is called Our Game, and it's really about that. It's about that possession of saying you belong in the game. It's your game too. And this is the, all the different ways and you can get involved, whether it's media, whether it's coaching, officiating or playing. We want to have you involved in the game and we also want to retain you in the game because one of the things we see, and you guys would have seen it, is we see women and girls, well, we see girls drop out of the game around that 14, 15, 16 age group. Mm. And we want to say like, okay, if you don't want to play anymore, that's okay. But let's transition you into something else. Yeah, we've got to be creative. We have to be creative. There's there's something for yep. everybody. Yep. And also, and a lot of the things that you're saying, they're not specific to women's football. I mean, in having a legacy, increasing resources, um, getting more space so that uh, football can be played everywhere, that's, that's just a football, general football thing. That's not a men or a women thing. That's a everybody creating a space for everyone to feel safe and participate and love the game. Yeah. 
Correct. I agree. Correct, absolutely. Agree. And, and that's a, it's about the whole ecosystem. But I will say it is specific to women and girls in, in, in some way. It's like football, and we can all agree this, we've all been involved in the game long enough. Football has not always been fantastic or great in signalling that the game is there for women and girls. And so that's why some of these programs are women and girls specific, is because we want to let them know that it's here. I don't know how many times I've gone to like junior football matches and I've been talking to a mum and I've said, oh, you know, are you the coach? And she's like, oh, no, no, I could never be the coach. And I will turn around and say, why not? Yeah. yeah. And you, you see the question in her eyes of like, oh, like, I never thought why not. Yes. And I think yep. one thing that Mel said earlier, I, I think we got a little bit distracted and we were talking about coaching and resources and she said, uh, go to the AIS coaching link and there's lots of information that Football Australia send to Mel to help her upskill and keep reading and keep knowledgeable. So the more that information is available to everybody, the more likely we are to think there's opportunities for us to participate in whatever part of the game there is to offer. Absolutely. And that's what we are trying to do also around our game is open it up as a hub so that you can go there at ourgame.com.au and you can find what you need as a female participant to be involved and, like I said, have role models, case studies, um, courses, connections, all of those things together. Uh, home of football, and Mel did mention AIS. How is that operating in the football space? Look, I'm going to be straight here. This is probably not my area. Good. I don't deal in that area so much. Um, but definitely that is, and as Graham Arnold mentioned this week, that's one of the key things that we're looking for. Yes. There's now going to be a home of the Matildas in Victoria, which is fantastic. That's due to open in around sort of June. Um, and that's a really large step because we can utilise that in terms of um, the women's programs, but also other junior national teams programs being able to be there. Well, with the para uh, Matildas... Anne. So Anne. <laughs> Anne. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry, Anne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with the Parramatildas game against the US, is, is that a replay of the World Cup final last year? Uh, no, that was for the women's team. Um, this one is for the uh, Combank Pararoos, which is the men's team. Oh, the Pararoos, oh, sorry. They did play US. No, they did play US in the uh, World Cup last year. Yep. Um, but they played them in the group stage. Okay. So they're looking to avenge that one, definitely. <laughs> Good. Okay. Yep. I'm going to be confused there. Hence by calling you Mel. So yes. <laughs> I'll take a seat back and uh, do some study in a minute and come back with a real question. <laughs> That's okay. We'll, we'll continue in that space. And um, just thinking about the Matildas and their public profile, which uh, I think is very good and is always well attended. And Hugh said earlier that uh, tickets go like hotcakes um, or are going like hotcakes for the uh, World Cup games. So there's a big differential between A-League attendance and um, support and the Matildas. Why is that? Why are we not getting many people going to the A-League women's games? Um, I think it's, it's the conversation about how, and we, this has always been the conversation about how do we pass this, those two parts through. And I think one of the things that we have been pretty good at is doing the storytelling and ensuring that we can link the two. Um, and as Mel was talking about, and I'll just sort of, um, sort of um, uh, elaborate on a couple things, that, questions you asked Mel. Um, but as Mel was saying, it's like we are looking at the whole pathway whenever we are considering um, the Matildas, and we're looking at the whole pathway, which absolutely includes A League women. So the conversation is we need to continue to connect the two so yes. that people can understand that 
when you're going to the A-League women, you're seeing the future of the national team. And that's your opportunity to see it yeah. well before it happens. Yeah. Um, and just in relation to the junior Matildas, um, Mel meant you, you asked the question if it was all through sort of the national team. That, that list of, that we put next to um, the players it's not actually where they've come from in terms of, like, um, state programs. Yeah, yeah. It's we what member federation mm. they are part of. Yeah, okay. So you, that information doesn't actually give you whether a player um, was part of an NTC or identified yeah, gotcha. through elite matches, yeah. as Mel mentioned, or whether they were identified through a club. It's just that they live and reside in that member okay. federation. Good, good, good yeah. clarification. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. yeah. Now, with the uh, the, the current um, Pararoos, six... Uh, making their debut. Will they all be making their debut in this particular game or, or not? So, I mean, we've got the likes of... Uh, no, no, here. no. There are quite a, there are quite a few um, veterans. And, in fact, today, David Barber, the captain, yep. he will be making his 106th yes. appearance. Whoa. He is the world record right. holder for yep. captaincy uh, in football. He's been the Combank Paroo's captain for 24 years. Holy cow! So, that is a world record. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so David is now second highest capped Australian male footballer yep. um, of all time, just behind Mark Schwarzer. And the highest goal Whoa. scorer, 70 plus. He, he's still on 70 or has he got 72 now? Yeah, uh, he's still on 70. He's actually moved back into goalkeeping. So Jeremy, oh, uh, so he, David, wow. has, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's moving back as he said he gets a little <laughs> bit older, but obviously there's that 24 years of experience definitely is very helpful in that. That's amazing. That is bloody yeah. amazing. And good job. Um, if you go to abc.com, uh, sorry, abc.net.au, yep. Tracy Holmes has a 15-minute interview with David talking about his time with the Sydney Olympics and also coming through now. And uh, honestly, these boys change lives. We have a fantastic story that was on Channel 7 um, last night about Kaylin Van Heer, who yep. three years ago, Kaylin came to the Combank Pararoos game here in Cromer Park. And today he's set potentially make his national international debut at this match after coming three years ago as a 15-year-old to come see them. And alongside his hero, Ben Roach, who has been in the national team for 21 years. Yep. So, um, you know, Kaylin told a beautiful story about... They were talking about the values of the team and he was asked to mention what his value was. And he said, beauty. And kind of everyone kind of looked around and went, beauty? Okay. And then, you know, the facilitator was great and said... And, you know, Kaylin, do you want to elaborate what you mean by that? And he said, um, through the Paroos, I've found beauty in who I am and beauty in my disability. Wow. Yeah. Powerful stuff. That's good. Yeah. Very good. Fantastic. And we've got a couple from, from Football West in, in that squad. Yeah, we've got we do. Uh, Noah Brimabell, Connor Bunce. They are very much characters. Connor Bunce, Connor is a fantastic yep. footballer, one of the best in the world. And, um, and have you got Alessandro to uh, to be quiet for a, for a minute or three or not? <laughs> um, look, the, the photo shoot we did with Sandro, um, let's just say when you guys see the photos, you'll go, yeah, that's him. And young Raf Bacon. Raf is also another beautiful story. Again, somebody else who, who the Pararoos has found acceptance in who he is and what his ability is. Yep. Um, and, you know, Raf's story is that you know, unfortunately, last year his dad passed away and um, all his dad ever wanted him to do was represent in Australia and today he could make that dream come true yep. and represent in Australia with a combat arrow. So that's another really beautiful story across the team. Uh, uh, and what, what tournament are the Pararoos building towards? 
Uh, the Paramaris are building towards a tournament that's yet to be named. Mel and I both like doing the cryptic. Yep. Um, but again, <laughs> go to paramaris.com.au. That information will be very much available in the next couple of weeks. Okay. And you've been fantastic as usual. Um, love having you on the show. You should absolutely do it more often. You are far too busy at Football Australia. Who do I need to speak to to make some room so you can come back and be a regular on our show? <laughs> oh, you already messaged him. That's Pete, uh, the head of communications. <laughs> but he's, he's been fantastic. He always he is always incredibly supportive. So, um, yeah, I'm very, very lucky to work in a great team at Football Australia. Good one. You get out and about and doing what you love. Uh, yeah, we, we hear it. Thanks for joining us today, Anne. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having myself and Mel um, on on the team. Just one match Mel didn't uh, mention that's already live is that the Combat Matildas will have a farewell match on the 14th of July. Um, the opponent and the stadium, that will be to mention, but that will be in Melbourne. So um, that is our farewell match before we head into the Women's World Cup. Good well, one. Well Thank done, you. Anne. Awesome. Thank you, Anne. Thanks, well Anne. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. That so, was Anne O'Dong, yep. who is the women's football and community media. But I, I really think she's got a lot of other things under her portfolio there. Yep, yep. and that game's yeah. going to be kicking off uh, in just under an hour's time, so uh, at midday, and that is uh, the Combank Pararoos versus the United States of America. Coma <coughs> um, Park, that's in Manly, so those that weren't there. And the good good thing is, uh, as I've seen on the website there, that Ticketek, the um, company that sells tickets, have kindly donated 100% of all ticket sales back into the Combank Pararoos. Wow. So, you, so those you. That, that have bought a ticket, all that money goes back into that squad, which is fantastic. And as I say, we've got those four players from um, Football West in there. And, yeah, I forgot to mention to, uh, to Anne about uh, Raf. He, he's, uh, yeah, sensational. And hopefully he gets to, gets to make his debut. So, uh, yeah, there are a lot of... Um, Players. That's why I was wondering whether we're building to a, a particular major tournament with yeah. the Pararoos. Yeah, they're not quite in that space yet, are they, with uh, funding and uh, structure? But not yet, but, I mean, that, that's a wonderful uh, 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 initiative from Ticketek. You know, you buy a ticket yep. uh, and we keep none of it. It goes back to, yep. to where it. it should be. And, and we spoke about that mm-hmm. earlier, Tim, about the, yeah. how the funding model is not as it should be, but there's one of the initiatives that a lot more should take on board. Yep, we are going to go to a break because we've got another guest coming up in Larissa Walsh. This is Penn and Hugh and Tim having a chat with you until 12. Stay tuned. And thank you everyone for listening in, by the way, Dave, for kindness. Really do appreciate your messages coming through. Thank you, Dave. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in. You think playing like a girl is easy? Let me show you what it takes. 
Playing like a girl is a hustle. Don't expect to be paid like Messi or Ronaldo. There's money in the women's game, but not much. Be ready to get an extra job or two. Playing like a girl means you have to be your biggest fan. Because the cameras won't always be focused on you. And if you want to catch their eye or even get a sponsor, people will tell you to use your looks. They may even tell you to listen to Set Bladder and wear tighter shorts to get a bigger audience. Playing like a girl means that when you get to the World Cup, you're armed to the teeth with nothing but resilience. You're not competing on an equal playing field. Welcome back to the World Football Program. That was a promo from... 2016. Yeah. I thought we weren't going to mention Herr Blatter's name ever again. Oh, yeah, you made oh, no. me say him. Oh. Man, things have changed a lot in that space. Just the professionalism of the sport it, is incredible. I cannot believe that's on record that yeah. they need to wear tighter shorts. Yeah. To, oh, my goodness. I know, right? Woo. What a piece of work that man was. I know. Moving on. Moving on. Good morning, Larissa Walsh. Morning, Larry. Larry. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah, good morning. I guess it's afternoon where it's I afternoon am. It's afternoon where but... you are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, introduce yourself. Tell us your path to Calder United. Why Why are you over there? Um, well, yeah, I guess so. Obviously, I've been playing in Perth for over 10 years. Mm. Um, I moved up from Albany, so I'm originally a country kid um, playing soccer down in Albany. Uh, that's where my family's from. So after high school, I just decided to um, take the next step and move up to Perth to follow, once again, my football career. Um, and that kind of landed me at um, Redback. So I was recommended going there by um, Steph Grant, who used to play there. She was my coach down in Albany. So she, she moved up. She was back then. She said, come on down to Redback. So I went down there and then kind of just got stuck at Redbacks, not complaining. It was a great 10 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. And then... <laughs> Thankfully, from that, um, just being at that club and it's led me to having the opportunity to now come over to Calder. So, how do you after see? 10 years, I think, is the right time. How do you see your development along the way from a young player in Albany to developing at Northern Redbacks? Um, yeah, so coming up to Perth, I hadn't really looked into like what Perth football was like. Um, we obviously came up to play country, but that was always against, like, country kids. Mm. I did country camp. So I had some experience, like, being up in Perth, but never actually seen how the Perth um, football was like. So that just transitioning from that into a city football area was um, just a development in itself. So understanding how everyone plays... Um, the skill level was a little bit, was well, a bit of a step up from what I was used to. Um, so, yeah, that just, like, showed me, opened the pathways a lot more, um, especially there was a lot more teams, more people to burst against. So, yeah, that was a little step up from the country into the city life of football. What do you think you've learnt the most as a player along the way with Northern Redbacks? Um. Oh, get out of the, way. Lot, get like, out of the I, way of Huey when he's refereeing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be, be mindful of who the ref is. Yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah he well, was a bit of a... Uh, well, <laughs> skill skill development-wise, did you have in, in your thoughts that uh, you wanted to play at state level or higher and 
some of the things that you needed to work on to achieve that and you, you learnt them at Redbacks? Yeah, so um, obviously coming up young, like just out of high school, I always had like ambitions to try and get as far as I could. Um, and I think, yeah, Redbacks really showed me, especially with having players who had were currently playing or had played in the glory. Um, so having those players there to show me what kind of standards were needed. And also, um, like, Tim, so Tim was the coach, or I don't know how long he coached me for at Redbacks, years, and, like, even now he still (laughs) sees me on the side, gives me some little coaching points. But, um, yeah, he was always um, great as a coach. He would motivate me, tell me what I need to improve on. And all coaches that I've come across, so Conrad, Neil, Carlos, all those coaches, they've always... Um, wanted me to perform at my best and they've always like helped me so coming up I think when I first came up as a young one I was so used to just being able to run everywhere and have the ball and just knock the ball and be able to run but then coming up to Perth I noticed they played more of a system a lot more passing obviously the um, defense wise was a lot stronger so Mm. I wasn't able just to always just knock the ball and run and hope kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, just skill-wise, I really had to step it up, especially in the first few years, um, to develop just different things like my first touch. Um, I remember one feedback from Nicola Williams when I yeah. first came up was I was very right-foot dominant and that just stuck with me. So afterwards, like, once she told me that, she's like, you're not going to get... Well, she didn't say you're not going to get far just being right foot, but she's like, you need to be able to use both feet. Mm. Yeah, so Mm. I think that was something that stuck with me, and it still does, like, even now, I'm I'm becoming more confident to shoot on my left. Um, So last year and the year before, my goals, I was even on the amount of goals that scored my left and with my right. So I think, yeah, something that's always stuck with me through my development at Red Stars, Redbacks Red Stars, and now Colder is, Definitely making sure I can use both my feet. So so yeah. tell us about that transition, how it came about and why Calder United? Um, so I've been, I've been just training um, up at Two Halves, up at Joondalup, and boys there are very, um, they love to like motivate you and they want to see how well you can get. And um, I was lucky enough that... Um, they had been in contact with Mark. So Mark was previously the Calder coach, who's now the Western United coach. They had been in contact with um, Mark, who was looking for players because obviously with the Western United, some of the players were moving into that. They had to fill spots in the Calder squad. So, um, yeah, they then said, well, let's get some highlights together and let's send them off. So it was kind of, I wasn't, I'd always like, it would be good to, get out there, you know, I was like, have my highlights out there, try and get a team, obviously, if I couldn't get into glory, what are my other options? Um, but yeah, when they said that, they like, you have, like, got nothing to lose, let's just send over your highlights and see what they think. Yeah. So, and that, they were, yeah, I guess they liked my highlights. <laughs> So, As do we not, all. We're, we're not talking about highlights in here, oh, by the way. We're talking you about would, online come on, stuff. Ben. Come on, I've got to spell it <laughs> you out. You knew you had to do that one. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Tim. Did you want to jump in there? Yeah. Hi, uh, Larissa. My name's Tim, and uh, just a little bit about myself. I was down in the Albany, 2014 to 2015. Really enjoyed 
the environment down there, doing coaching for Football West. And I just want to share with you a, a dear friend of mine who's worked in the Peel. So you know the Peel, that's another region. So he yeah. said to me, and he sent me this, he says, Hi Tim, when you think for the past 40 years, Peel Junior Soccer Association has had between 700 to 1,000 juniors every season. The people who do the coaching are the dedicated mums and dads and fabulous young people. It's clear to see professional coaching is a must to send the world game to the next level. It hurts to think how many promising youth have been lost in the past and will be lost in the future through to lack of knowledgeable coaches. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? Do you feel that that does that resonate with you down in Albany? Or when you were down um, there? Yeah, so I think when I was down there, I like looking back, because, sorry, um, you probably would have crossed paths with my dad, um, Andrew Walsh. So Oh, yeah, he, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wondered. I just wondered. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. Yeah, so um, that was my dad. But I think he was always, he's always humming like, oh, should I have sent you up earlier, like during high school for <laughs> um, to do football up in Perth? Mm. Like always thinking that. But I've always said like, I haven't regretted. I was never sad that I'd done football down in Albany in the country setting. Um Yes, it's a step up coming into Perth, but down in Albany, I just felt, especially the age group that I was in, the girls that was coming through, we had, like, a, such a good group coming through. Um, we were still exposed, so we had, like, an academy down there while growing up. Um, so we had our club trainings, but then we also had our academy trainings. We had our country weeks. We had yeah. the opportunities to still develop our skills, um, I was, like I said, thankful that Steph Grant, she came down and she was um, someone who had been in, like, the Western Waves, so, well, a bit before Glory, so she was in Western Waves. She had that experience as a player in that um, level, so she was able to pass that on as a coach. Um, so, like, I never regret being as a country kid down, like, doing soccer down in Albany, um, because you still get some, you get awesome experience. So, yes, you might not be able to go over to, well, you, we see more now, um, more country kids are getting selected into the like, NTC to go over to the yep. national training camp, whatever it is, um, challenge, that's it, sorry. <laughs> but even so, you still get experience. So often we'd go to Bunbury, we'd go to other places, to verse other towns. So you get experience that way. You don't always have to lead the state to get the experience but because we were able to travel to different towns um, play different games and I think that in itself was always such a valuable thing like we loved going away on country week, country week was the best time because you would go away for the week, it's a little bit different now but um, yeah we would go away for the week, we would stay the whole um, Albany side would stay at Wesley College that was always the best time because on the other side will be Geraldton, and we'll be like, ooh, it's Geraldton. Like, <laughs> we've got to make sure we beat them. Like, it's that little rivalry kind of thing as country kids. And I think sometimes, especially now that I've coached like juniors in the city, is they tend to lose that kind of love of football in that way, in the team spirit, being able to travel as a team, um, the excitement of going new places where they're just fo- always focused on is, am I being selected in the best team possible? Yeah, but also, also, Larissa, you couldn't have lost the love because your dad's passionate about it. 
So he, yeah. you, you were so blessed to have a dad and a parents supportive, you know, and that is so important because they, that you, you take that from them and that, that motivates you and you build your, if you like, your resilience and your motivation mm. from them, which is a fantastic thing. Um, and it's great, you know, it's really good. Larissa, I wanted to um, just touch on something you said earlier. You mentioned a few coaches like um, uh, Conrad McKelvey and uh, Tim Hodgson and Carlos, and and what struck me in your conversation was there's a culture. So if you think of some of the really professional clubs uh, and how they um, sustain themselves over time, they have a, a culture, yeah. and yes. someone yeah. somewhere um, in, in, has instilled the culture and replicates it. Yep. So uh, at Northern Redbacks... They have a culture, and I think any if you ask anyone outside of Northern Redbacks, um, then they know that the players that have ambition go to Northern Redbacks, that they'll be developed at Northern Redbacks, that there'll be good coaches in, yeah, we, instilled we, there. It's, it's the culture of that yeah, club. Yeah, they're try, trying to change it. With, uh, <coughs> we had Greg Farrell uh, on just last week, that he's trying to build a, a similar um, mindset at Subiaco. Yes. And, and that, that, that should be an ambition of every club, I would have thought, Absolutely. At, at whatever level they're playing yep, at. Yep, and, and I just thought that it was quite fitting, uh, Larry, that you, you, you talked about that, which was the culture. You, what yeah. you were telling us about was the culture of that club. And As a referee, every time I rocked up, you, you, it, it was professional. You, yes. You, you, you knew. Like, yes. And I always said to, to Tim off air that when you rocked up, you had to be yep. at that same level. You had, yes. You, because... This is a club that expected success, that expected Correct. the best ability, that expected the best, and and you couldn't rock up as a referee with you know wrong coloured socks and you know I I haven't got my whistle that sort of stuff. You you had to rock up and go. Yep. I'm playing, well, as I used to say, I'm refereeing internationals. I'm refereeing glory talented players. I'm refereeing young up and coming uh, players like Larry and and, and they. Yes were demanding success and, yep. and expected it from everybody. Yeah, so my point being, that Larry, that you're at a club that had a great culture that mm. fostered ambitious young players and inspired them yep. to want to move to the next level. So here you are, top goal scorer for Football West, yep. um, best player for Football West, yep. and, uh, and you've conquered that and now you've moved on, you had an opportunity and you're moving on. And we might add, an, and I'd love you to comment, the connection between... Colder United being a female-only club, and I think there's only now one in Australia because Northern Redbacks used to be That's a female right. club and before that Beckenham, and Beckenham Angels. Angels yep. yep. So you've got probably a specific culture there at Colder United and Western United have the links there. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah, so um, just going back, like, with the culture. So, yeah, Tim, Carlos, Conrad, they were always they always had their own inputs obviously as coaches but yeah they're always on the same mindset of the culture um even now like I still catch up with Con well not now but well, I'll message him but before coming over I'd catch up with Conrad each week and we'll discuss football we'll discuss yeah anything football how the games and all that um Tim like I said when he's down um he would always would always have chats he would always sure he's got his little input as well which I value as well it doesn't I'm not always like oh here we go again it's yes like thank you Tim like I appreciate your feedback and then Carlos um Carlos is definitely and I think this season you'll see it a lot is with the new players coming in he's very we're a team but we're also a family yeah so that's, that's, that's something the, he always yeah. said last season was 
we win, we lose, we draw. That's right. As a team. Yep. Yes. Um, and I think coming into colder and over the past few weeks as I'm starting to see, obviously, like, with Redbacks being the only women's club, we saw, like, some differences between Redbacks and Red Stars having men's um, affiliation and all that. And, I'm, and it's good to see with colder is they experience the same kind of thing. So they're the female only, but they're still the well-known club mm. in the NPL. So it shows that they don't need that men's affiliation to be at the certain level that they want to be. Yep. Um, and I think, yeah, with the affiliation now with Western United is once again how Redbacks saw they need to take another step in the right direction. So they did the urging. Um, and I think that's the option that Colder said they would have seen, yeah, we need to take another step in the right direction. Western United was that opportunity that arose. And um, I think that's good because it's drawing the attention. Like, I've been able to, I've just taken on doing assistant coaching with the juniors at Calder and you are school of girls. And their ambition is they want to follow this pathway. They want to get to Western United. Great. And, yeah, they've just started from, even from juniors, building that culture as we are a team. We all warm up together. We train. We cool down together. So... Nice. And I yeah. take it your ambition is to be playing for Western United. Yeah, so um, I've been keep like, obviously Mark comes down once a week to trainings. He'll come down more regularly once the A-League finishes, but you're constantly keeping in touch with Mark. Um, Helen, the other the assistant coach for Western United, she's our co-coach, so she's down regularly at trainings. And um, Nathan, they all communicate, so the ambition is, is have a great season in MPL Victoria, show them what I can do um, in their system that they wanted to play and then hopefully be able to slot into Western United um, next season. So, Nice, yeah. nice pathway, great ambition. And what does Larry do when she's off the park? <laughs> oh, Larry is very boring off the park. <laughs> <laughs> I take it it's, a, it's an amateur club. On the Colder United part, so you would have to be studying or full time working. Yeah, so um, I'm training. We train three times, well, four times a week now. We're stepping up with um, games as well. So, and then off the park, I generally I do like I said I'm coaching, so I'm filling time up with that. Um, I am currently doing my PhD as well, so In... that fills up um, sports science. Great. So, Keeping yep. it in the sports industry. Um, yeah, so I do that. And then at the moment, these past few weeks, I'm just trying to explore Melbourne. But generally, yeah, um, while I was in Perth, I generally either will be doing yeah, PhD or training. So I try to also do, I obviously do my own gym and all that, but I try to do my individual training as well. So that was something that I think really contributed to me at getting across to Calder was, um, over the past two years is I started doing training away. Like I did my club training, but then I realised I still needed to work in individually on skills and that's what I've been doing for the past two years and like I've been able to see that being reflected in my game. So past two years, probably the best two seasons I've had um, up in Perth and I, was, I think that comes down to being determined at team trainings but also having that individual training as well on top to help me. So. Well, the, la- the last two years have definitely been gun years for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes. I, don't know, yeah. I don't know why yeah. Gloria hasn't picked you up. Seriously. Oh. <laughs> how, how uh, you, every La- Christmas different. Uh, <laughs> Larissa, how do you feel your first touch now is on your, your weaker foot? She hasn't got one. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think, well, actually, to be fair, I think probably getting better than my right foot. You're oh, bloody. that's good. That's, nice. that's nice I'm, idea. I'm thinking more about it. You know when, like, yeah, yeah. You're with your weaker side, you're like, okay, I'm going to think more, and then it turns out to be a little bit better, you're like, oh, and go to your dominant foot, and it's a horrible touch, and then you're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and are you scoring many goals on that side? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Far. Yeah, yeah, good. Good. Yeah. What's your dad said? About the whole he, transition? Well, about 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 everything, about how you're doing. Oh, he well, he loves it. Yeah, yeah. He's always he's always so supportive. So um and my mum loves it as well cause, especially now cuz it's quite a long drive for me to training, so yeah. She's loving it every week I call her and fill her in and everything non-football related, but yeah, dad dad loves loves it. Um he they're coming over for the start of the season to watch a few games um, and even last season and all that I think now that's been streamed um, online for his NPL TV just having that um, made it even better because mum and dad would watch it mum loves the night games she's like we get a wine now we get a chip on the couch on Friday night <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> tremendous tremendous so, so give him my best when you see him and, and your mum and, and just one, another one for me do you miss Middleton Beach? Everyone misses Middleton. Um, Middleton Beach there, down oh, in Albany. Yeah. yeah, Middleton Beach. I would probably say I miss other beaches around Middleton Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. I would probably, yeah. I miss Muttonbird, Frenchman's Bay, Manor Up, those kind of places. Nice. You can always come back yeah. and visit them. Yeah. Now, Larry, before we let you go, are there other WA players in the squad or will you be playing against other WA players? Um, there's no other WA players in my squad. I'm unsure about if there's any in coming over. Well, there'll be a few others, I guess, returning. Um, I just haven't seen if they've signed. So I know like, there's been a few that have played over here recently, like Bella, um, Tian. Unsure if they're returning. I haven't. I really should catch up with them and have a see if they are. Um <laughs> Just sorry, I have a bit more WA mates over exactly. here, but yeah, I'm not too sure um, who else, if any other people coming over. I know um, quite a few clubs over here were doing quite a lot of recruiting, so hopefully there's a few WA players that were approached. Maybe but, not too yeah. many. We'd like a pretty strong league with all of those players. This is in true. Yeah. This, yes, this <laughs> is true. We are talking about the the um, Vic NPLW, aren't we? Like the Carolina United are in that top league. Yeah, 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 the, nice. yeah, NPLW, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Larissa, it's been fantastic having a chat sure to you. Sure has. Uh, we really do, um, you know, we hope that you do well over oh, there yeah. and, um, you know, maybe there'll be like a FA Cup for women at some point in the next couple of years and you might be playing in a team and yeah, sure. yeah, maybe well, playing in a team and it'll be streamed live on telly. Wouldn't that be super to well, connect we'd much rather see that together? Than, a, than this Mickey Mouse. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah. I hope you do well and get fitter and improve and one day we'll see you playing fitter? National League. She, she couldn't get any fitter. Yeah. More skillful then. <laughs> 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 we really appreciate you joining us today, Larry. Thanks so much and, and have a great weekend. No worries. Thank you for having me on. Good on you, Larry. Yeah, see ya. Keep working hard. Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye. That was Larissa Walsh, Albany to Perth to Cold United in Victoria. To well Western done, United. Yeah. Then Matilda's.
Yeah. Then West Ham United. That's right. There's a couple more steps to go. Then That's the right. uh, the World All Stars. Yeah, and I was listening and to then the Graham, Galaxy side. Graham Arnold uh, in an interview today, and he was saying that um, you know when you're 30, 30, 31, 32, if you're still playing, you still play World Cup. What, what's the problem there? I mean, you well, can be I mean, a mentor I'm, to the we'll younger players. You still got something to give. How old is Abby Lewick? I mean, she's what thirty six, thirty seven. Is she? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to go to a break and come back. And I'm not going to check. It's Actually, not... let's not go to a break. Let's, let's talk local oh, football no. before we go to a break. Or do you want to... No, no, we can. Let's okay, so the night series uh, is for the NPL are in their second week, and I'll take this from the Football West Facebook page. Armadale uh, Soccer Club is at top of the Group A in the NPLW, and they have made it two wins from two games with a 3-1 victory over Balcata Etna FC at Dalmatic Park. And Floriet Athena looks set to join Armadale on maximum points thanks to Nicholas Ambrigolia's first half penalty at Frank Drago Reserve. However, for the second week running, Perth Soccer Club pinched a draw with a late goal. This time through Abdul Osman's header with the final touch of the match. So that's a heartbreaker. That's West Bromwich Albion all over. You know, get, get to the ninety six minute. There's been a few significant headers in football the last couple of weeks. Yeah, at Williams. Yeah, I oh, wasn't that yet? No, we we saw that with. Well, Pete saw that. I was over there in that chair. I didn't get to see it. I saw Pete's reaction. He was <laughs> he went off his nut. Uh, Sterling Macedonia. Struck late also as they beat host Bayswater City 1-0 and joined Florida on four points in, in that group. And in Group B, Coburn City and Perth Red Star collected their first points with a one-all draw. And there are a couple more results coming up uh, with fixtures at Inglewood this Sunday. It will be Olympic Kingsway versus Perth Glory at a 5pm kickoff, and Inglewood United will be playing Sorrento at 7pm. So get down to those games at Inglewood Stadium. Where else do you want to go next, Pen? Well, uh, the Women's NPL Thank you. Night Series. I haven't got that. You okay. have. Yeah, um, <laughs> I saw it pop up uh, on Facebook this Because when's that week? starting? Two weeks' time? Starts on... When does it start? Oh, my God. It starts in a few weeks. And yeah. And it is at – where is it at? It's Group A. I know Group A is NTC, Balcada, uh, Curtin, and that's a good question. Red Stars. Yeah. Red Stars. So the 19th, February. So I actually couldn't find that on the no. Football West page. No, no neither, could, I, neither could I. That's why I went, you've got that. Yeah. It, it I, throw me under the I, bus. I, I'm, I'm reversing the bus over you. <laughs> yeah, I had to hunt around for that, and then it popped up on um, – Neil Bennett put a post on the World yep. Football. Thanks, so Neil. Thank you for that, Neil. So obviously appeared on Red Star's page, but I don't know yep. where he got it from. Sneaky. That, that man Must have gone directly is a, is a clubs, font of information. Maybe. I don't think Neil Bennett doesn't know in women's football. It hasn't happened. So there'll be more about that in the, in the coming weeks. Of course, we're running into the first week of February. Yep. Um, so did you want to mention anything else or do you want to move Well, we've got on? the uh, State League Night Series. So I've got a couple of results from that one. So that was their first fixtures on Friday night. We've got uh, Gullup, Croatia beat Kingsley Westside 2-0. One of the – well, there's a couple of sh- highlight games. Quinns got beat by Fremantle 7-0, which is Whoa. not it's not boding good there. But pre-season games are pre-season games. Mandra uh, beat Curtin 4-0. Joondalup City beat UWA 5-2. So, wow. Yeah, so saying, get yourself down there to games. There's goals plenty. Wanneroo and Dianella played, and Dianella, 6-0 winners there in that Ooh. particular game. And good news for Ashfield. Hello, Sean Kelly. Ashfield's uh, goalkeeper, Curtis Ray, is back after that serious neck injury. So he played, and it was a one-all draw with Subi. 
Yeah. So oh, that's good. Good news. Yeah. There'll be more fixtures coming up on uh, Sunday. So I won't and go won't go through those, but yeah. Locate them on Squatty. I have Ellen, well, Ellenbrook uh, are one of the uh, host uh, venues. Uh, who else we got? It's uh, Ellenbrook will be yeah. on the on the fifth. So that's Morley Windmills versus Gosnells in Group B. In Group A, it's Maddington White City versus Joondalup United. They are both at Ellenbrook on Sunday. Forestfield United versus Canning City at Crazy Domain Stadium, or Hartfield Park as we like to call it. And Murdoch Uni will play Caramar Shamrock Rovers. That's at Wanneroo City's soccer field, so make sure you get to the right venue there. So who did you say is playing Caramar? I said that was uh, Murdoch University Melville FC. Did I I mention that correctly? Yep. Yes, you did. I just heard Mum FC in my head. I was just... Bounding it around again. That's the only. That's I, I got a bit worried. Right. I thought, did, did I not mention that right? Because mum, if I if I get that wrong, I'm getting a. Uh, mum got promoted from um, second well, division. <laughs> Caramar just dipped out, so that'll be a cracking yep. game. Yeah, it sure will. Western Knights will play um, Balga. That's at Wanneroo Field One as well. And in Group F, back at Crazy Domains, Rockingham City will take on Swan United. So their uh, games will be kicking off at 5pm or 7pm, depending on which game you go to. But those two venues are where you need to go. Well, three venues, Ellenbrook, Wanneroo and Crazy Domains for the State League. And the games for the NPL will be at Inglewood. Yeah, so you can catch them on Football West and also Football WA, don't they? Correct. Yep. yep. We're going to go to break. Thanks. Brilliant. You. And we'll come back talking more football, of course, with Vince Matassa from the Football Hall of Fame WA. This is Penn, Hugh and Tim. Back soon. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. A true glory supporter is someone who gives a 100% on match day. Whether it's chanting, waving a flag, always there, always passionate, jumping up and down, going absolutely animal, and continuing to make an amazing atmosphere for football fans. I'll spend about eight to nine, maybe ten hours on glory uh, during the week when we're making our banners and this and that. The feeling when glory scores is just the most phenomenal feeling ever. Everything just stops. There's a whole brief feeling of silence. Something everyone just jumps up and down. eruption of cheering, yelling and flag wave. It's just one of those things when the goal hits the back of the net, it's an amazing it's an amazing situation.
Yeah, so Jason was playing for Adelaide. Oh, sh- we are back shoot, on we're air. back on. Yeah, there so you go. we were talking about Jason Pekovic there for, for, a, for a little minute off air. Sorry about that. That's right. We were talking about glory generally. That was a good intro for you, wasn't it, Vince? Good morning, Vince. <laughs> yeah, good day, Penny. How are you? How are you, Sam? <laughs> yeah, all right, Vince. Yourself? Yes, yeah, busy, busy morning. I was being Penny, we're, we're making the uh, tomato passata this morning. It's the first Ooh. of probably a few weekends to put aside. Nice. So uh, that's, that's always a nice morning. I have no idea what passata is, by the way, but it, you well, made it's it sound Well, the tomato sauce for yeah. the pasta, yes. So, you know, those, those who do the shopping would have seen the price of tomatoes uh, going down over the last few weeks, which is a signal for, for time to make so some of that tomato sauce. Pasata production, production goes up yeah. as tomato prices go <laughs> down. Right. Sensational. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, yeah. Is that an all-in family thing? It is. It is very hierarchical. So you start off, you know, obviously, as, as you first start, you're probably just cleaning the buckets. And as you move up, you can cut the tomatoes. And I'm up to the machine now. So I'm really Oof. moved up in the, in the world. Over 40 years it took me, no mind you. <laughs> 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 right, it sounds like you make a lot of posada. Yeah, big, big extended family. So you kind of, you know, this, this month is um, tomatoes. And then you've got the wine as well in summer. So, you know, your, your year is dictated by what you can make. With the, uh, it's not just Italian tradition. There's obviously a lot of different cultures that make the tomato sauce, but yep. certainly the Italians tend to, to do a lot of it. So, yeah, it's a lovely tradition to keep going, and hopefully my kids can learn a bit as well. H- how are much you? posada are we talking here? <laughs> well, bucket's full. Uh, well, if, the old-fashioned the old fashioned beer bottle, what are they, about 700 mils? So, yeah, it's kind of about 300 bottles by the Whoa. time we finish. To last for the year, yeah. Is that in someone's backyard or in a really big kitchen somewhere? In the cellar, in the cellar, yeah, in the cellar. Wow, cool. Oh, right. So when are we going to so see the, to, uh, yeah. the Vince Matassa labelled <laughs> Masada <laughs> at the local Coles? We see Paul Newman there. Yeah, I yeah, reckon Paul a picture Newman. of Vince yeah, yeah. Matassa next yeah. to Paul Newman would be sensational. <laughs> Talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Glory is tonight. Let's not forget Glory to promote is that, tonight. okay? Yeah, at Glory. At Macedonia Park, 7.30 kickoff. Yep. I'm going to be there. Well, you going to be there, Yeah, I'll probably be there. Vince yeah, I'll be, be there. there. Vince will be there. Yes. They're, they're really, I, will, I will. They've really made, uh, Ruben Dadkovich at the start of the year really made a point to say we need to make this a fortress. Yeah, fortress uh, Macedonia. Exactly. There was a lot of negativity about yeah. moving to, to a smaller ground, but he said, no, this can work to our advantage. And yeah. he's been good to his word. Well, the team has anyway, so yeah. they, they really and are the crowd. to beat. Yeah, and the crowd have helped. Yeah, uh, we we see more than a few sports going. It's just the twelfth man, but down at Fortress Macedonia, that twelfth man is definitely making the, themselves heard. That's for yes. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like going there because it's all crowded and you know, yep. yeah, yeah, you, you, bump into you people. know, for us old timers, remember the old days. But you can really get close to the players. Yeah, and I think when you when you go and watch HBF and the other modern stadiums these days with, with your kids, you, you kind of forget that, that back in the day you could literally reach out and almost touch the keeper yep. or the striker taking the corner and yep. you could see the jostling in the penalty boxes as the ball's about to come in. Perth kangaroos, so Vince. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that was in Fortress Macedonia as well. That's right, it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, it's actually really good for the, the young kids as well. They really feel so close to the action, um, uh, you know, particularly obviously with the goldmouth scramble. So, yeah, it's been a really good experience. I mean, I think... The limit of 4,000 is tough because it's been selling out the last few games, mm-hmm. so they're certainly getting it full. But, um, you know, Glory should and would get get more than that in, in a bigger stadium. But for now, it's, it's actually worked out really yeah. well, particularly with the results. Now, as we said yeah. to um, to Tony, on more than a few occasions, a sellout's a sellout. You, you budget for a sellout and you get the sellout, fantastic. You, yeah. You're maximising profit, so that, that, that's good news. Yeah. And, and he's often, you know, has... Budgeted for you know ten to twelve at HBF, which you know unfortunately, half yeah, half a stadium. Mm. But you know, a sellout's a sellout, and particularly when they're all wearing purple. You know, the, the opposition mm-hmm. rocks out, which will be Newcastle tonight. They're going to go. It's all purple crap. 
whatever. Yeah, <laughs> oh, look, there's mum over there. <laughs> and the table at the moment? The table at the moment is fairly, fairly congested. We've got Melbourne City top of the table, 13 games played with 28 points, and then it all bunches up. We've got uh, Central Coast Mariners in second place on 23 points, Western Sydney Wanderers on 21 Wellington Phoenix, or as I like to call them, the Glory Bunnies, uh, in fourth place because we had that 2-2 draw last night. They're on 21 points as well. Adelaide, sitting in fifth, are on 20 points. So second to fifth is only three points. Uh, We've got uh, MacArthur on 18, Perth uh, in seventh place on 18. So we're only five points from second spot. And the Melbourne victory had a result last night over the Wellington Phoenix three one, which is not good for the uh, for the Phoenix because we expect them to beat the uh, the victory, and that gives Melbourne victory the uh, the EPL points per game. So uh, luckily for them, there's no relegation, but they are played fourteen games and have fourteen points. So I actually good. I actually think Melbourne victory will be a dark horse for the top six. They they've got I hope I mean, so. As as Tony Popovich does, he spends he spends a fair bit of money on his squad. He does. They've lost a couple, but they've they've got a very good squad and. If they can pick up a bit of momentum with that win last night, oh, I think I think they're a shout Down for to the top. Well, and they might coaching. even be fighting glory for that, one of the spots. So that is a good call there, Vince, because they're only four points from sixth spot and only nine points mm. from second spot. That's what I'm saying about. So Melbourne City are running away with the league at the moment, but the congestion between yeah, second right. and twelfth is, like I said, it's what, only the nine points. What round are we up to now? About halfway? R- round f- 14, round 15. Okay, so around halfway. Just over halfway, just yeah. over halfway. Yeah, and, and Newcastle, well, they, we talked a bit about Glory being on a good run. Newcastle are a very good team this year um, in, in pretty good form. They've got, they've got you know, I think it's Rene Piscopo, who was at Wellington last year, but he actually, as a 17-year-old, was over in Italy playing for one of the Dream Clubs and ended up in the Italy under-17 team wow. with Donnarumma and a couple of the other Italian players who have obviously nice. gone on to win the Euros. So you look at you look at that, you think, well, he's obviously got a bit of ability. He, he didn't quite find his form for a couple of years, but I watched last week. He was running the show in Newcastle's win, um, just beating three or four players in the midfield, laying it off, scored a goal himself. And you look at that, you think... If he could play like that every week, we'd be, we'd be talking him up with Grand Koal as like the next big thing for Australia. He hasn't had that form every week, but he will be a really tough player to mark today and a good player to watch. So, you know, I think there's mm. going to be some, some really skillful players in the Newcastle team. It'll, it'll be hard for Glory, no doubt about it. Do you, do you think the uh, Graham Arnold is looking at a player like that? Because, or would he be well, thinking... Well, if you can put... The, I mean, his biggest problem, he's always had the skill level, but he yep. hasn't put it together for more than two or three games, so... Um, he's only, I think he's only 21, 22. He's got plenty of time left. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those ones where he needs to put a good, a good season together with seven, eight, nine games and absolutely based on the ability he's got um, because he could, he's, a, he's a smallish kind of dynamic midfield. He can beat players at will. Uh, and he's also, you know, a smart footballer. So to make the under-17s Italian team, clearly you, you can have a bit of ability. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just so, a bit. I mean, he, he is Australian. He, uh, playing under-17s these days doesn't force you to, no, to right. stay with the, with the team. So I'm sure he'll... He'll be thinking about the Socceroos at some point. He can keep this form up, so um, he'll he'll be a good one to watch. Tim, did you want to jump in before mm. I jump in? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> morning, Vince. Uh, Tim Slack here. Morning, How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks. Yeah, just uh, talking to you there off air. Uh, did you come up with the through with Chris Coyne? Uh, yeah, he was a little bit younger than me, but I was in the same team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I did, know, it might have been his brother. I tell you, about it, it was his brother Jamie who was with me. So Chris, yeah. Chris was Chris had headed off to Luton, I think. Yeah, yeah. We were talking yeah, about yeah. that off air. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so, and so uh, yeah. So how, how's things? Um, how's things going for you then? Yeah, you, are you still involved in football? Yeah, well, um, he's a goalkeeper I, coach yeah, down at Mum FC of some of the female coaches. Ah, the, got the right. coach about 15, 15 years away from Perth. So we, um, you know, I ended up back here a couple of years ago and found my old junior club, Melville. It, it changed to Mum FC, but I had got a couple of my kids down there playing and, and coached the under eights, which you know is challenging at times. I think it oh, kind yeah. of suits my level of coaching the under eights, <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> really, but really, really enjoyable and uh, some some amazing players coming through. Actually, at the young level, it's incredible how many good talented players there are. Right, that's brilliant, that Vince. I want to just share something with you because I, I, I don't know if you heard, but I'm still doing the coaching after all these years. I'm still working away with you the kids. You can do it till you die, Tim. You know yeah, that, right? Yeah, no. and, <laughs> and, and so the thing is, I'm working with a young guy up, up there at Grasshoppers called Liam. And Liam's a lovely lad. He's doing a, a degree at, um, at Curtin there, engineer degree. Now, he, I said to him, uh, Liam, just give me a couple of points. What, what do you think as a kid? He's only 21, 22 now, so he's very, very young. He said to me... Um, in Perth specifically, there's a lack of professional coaching for kids in clubs. I remember when I played, our coach, which was whichever dad could get enough time off yep. work. Yep. It would be really useful if each club provides a coaching course for parents at the start of each season. They especially need to teach offside to parents. I remember <laughs> so many that didn't understand, even after playing for many years. And, and then he Not says, has changed. <laughs> yeah. And then he says, for the kids, I think it's really important to slowly build up their confidence and their passion and, uh, for the game. I, and he goes on finally to say, I do believe that whichever player wants the ball more as greater drive will end up being a better player. So more confidence and passion will help a lot with this. So the, the point, though, I'm coming back to, Vince, because, you know, you've, you know you're, you're, a mature, you're a mature guy now. And the thing is, you, easy, you, know, the, easy. you know the scene. You know the scene. <laughs> Has it really? You can't, you can, can you see my grey hair? Through the, <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the question is, are we still, and I believe we are, lacking professional coaches? For the for the younger players, mm. well, yeah, and, and it's it's club by club, but but absolutely, the clubs that have managed to find some kind of a system to, as you say, at least put the the parents who are going to take on the coaching through, even if it's three or four weeks at the start of the year, to give them some basic ideas and really the encouragement around not just you know the old school thing where you all line up in a line of twenty people and have one shot each, yeah. where there's always a ball at your feet and and they're kind of getting into some good habits. And then revisit at the middle of the season. So the clubs that manage it, and there are a few, and I think Mum FC has been fortunate mm-hmm. to have a Mark Jones there, who, who puts on a few sessions for the coaches, the under seven, under eight, under nine coaches at the start of the year, um, just to give them a bit of a sense. And so I absolutely agree with you. It's it is hard for parents because yeah, you know, almost I'm sure every club here in Perth would have the majority of the junior coaches outside their NPL system being uh, volunteer parents who are mm. just, you know, mm. having, having a crack because their son's in it they watch it a bit. So, yeah, Football West, if you're listening, you know, I think, you know, putting putting on a, a discounted kind of... They've obviously got the level one, two and three, but, but you can... Or A, B and C, but you, yeah. you can almost make, a, you know, something in between that that mm. is really for the for the dads or mums coaches who are, who are early in their career. And I think, you know, the clubs can, can put a bit of money if they need to or the, the Football West can someone here to sponsor for it. I think that would be an amazing idea because it is, it's is—it's really daunting, even if you've played before, mm. to actually put on a coaching session. You've got 15, 15 sets of eyes looking at you. Oh, actually, a couple of them probably running off, mucking around. You've got to get them back. <laughs> but, um, it, it's, it's really, it's really yeah. quite daunting if you don't have a, have a good system in your head. So I absolutely agree. Um, and, and, you know, I, so despite that, there's some amazing talent coming through. When you look at the mm. ability of some of these young kids to... 
play the ball, control the ball, both feet. And I think back to, you know, our under-13 state team, which was kind of, you know, if we get the ball, maybe we'll have a touch, launch it long, because we've got a quick guy up front. Um, the systems and the structures now, it's a different world yeah, for the 13-year-olds. Right. Yeah. Um, that's how football's evolved, but... Um, it's, it's amazing yeah. some of these players uh, think, they come look, through and, and we have to keep them going. It's the old Pep Guardiola, isn't it? You know, get the ball, pass the ball, you know, as it should be. Yeah. But the, you know, that Wimbledon system of uh, the quick man at the front just long at, you know, well at long and one bounce, hopefully it hits him in the head and goes in the back of the net. That, those days hopefully uh, are disappearing quickly. Yeah. Now, now, Vince, the reason we've got you on, although go. you're absolutely fantastic to chat oh, yeah. anything football, is the Football, football Hall, of Hall of Fame. So um, tell us what's coming up in that space. Football Hall of Fame, yes. We, we've, it's been quite a couple of years, obviously. Uh, COVID was, was a challenge mm. for us, and, and we had 25-year anniversary kind of come and go without us being able to put on a, a function for that. So this is for the Football Hall of Fame. But we, we finally got... Um, a, a result on a museum, which is of our 27 years of existence at the Football Hall of Fame. Probably, you know, 25 years. It's been a, it's been an idea that's yep. been looking for some funding or some help to try and get it off and running. And we're, we're finally there, thanks to a, a wonderful bit of support from the WA Italian Club there in North in West Perth, and uh, also our pa- our patron as well. And we now have a museum that is about to open, and I we're pretty confident on this one. It's the first football dedicated, that's the round ball football dedicated museum in Australia. Brilliant. And WA has that. Mm, finally. And so we will be yeah. um, opening the doors. Um, we have had a lot of memorabilia over the years donated. Um, and so I, I know Penny's helped out and, and, and Brett as well, but Klusnik have been going through that <laughs> for a lot yep. of time, finding things that will look good in a museum. Not everything is going to look good in a museum and into space, but we're just about there. So on, on Monday week, we're going to have our, our inductees our special members of that football and to come and watch the official opening and have a look around. Uh, we we have two rooms. Essentially, one room will be the main showroom and then the second room will be, we hope, a rotating kind of display where we can. Good. Uh, we really wanted to have a bit of everything. So obviously, you've got your professional teams, such as your Glories and, and the state team, the state leagues, but the amateurs, the juniors, the women's, uh, the referees even get a little section themselves. Oh, so, you know, and, and obviously the WA Football Hall of Fame is one of the few Football Hall of Fames that has all of the different aspects of football recognised in, in terms of its members. So it's not just players who've been inducted, it's administrators, referees, uh, coaches, and therefore our displays are going to have that as well. So some wonderful old things um, that we've managed to dust off. And, and we hope as well that by, by when people see that, they'll see the display and, and there'll, be more, there'll be more things that'll come forward. Um, that that will have a particular significance for people to be able to look at. So Excellent. a lot of hard work from uh, from some of the guys um, and girls, including Penny there, to, to get to this yeah. point. Yeah. And, so uh, can we're, I just say, pretty... just can I just say on that, th- this journey started um, in 2019 when we first got the store, and it is a never-ending journey, Vince. There's so many things <laughs> you can get a tub of stuff that someone can donate. Um, like someone passes on and they say, would you like this? And yep. it's a tub and it's got banners and photos and programs and everything and it takes so long to catalogue that. And then someone else will give you three tubs and <laughs> someone else will give you like a, a first aid kit like Katina Demopoulos from Peter Demopoulos who, who passed on in the last mm. few years. And it's amazing all this stuff and it never ends. And there's so much out there which should be shared yeah. with everyone yes. to have all these memories o- right. on display right. and to be talked about and posted online. It's, it's such a great thing to be doing. Yeah. And, and some, some of the highlights we'll have that I can definitely share is, is things like the Sonia Cup, which, you know, I, 
yep. how many years that ran for as the Premier Cup here in, in the WA football competition. We've got Sandra Brentnell, who's one of our legends, our seven legends, living yes, legends. Um, uh, who, um, her Australia jersey, she's the... She scored the first ever goal for the Batildas in an A international, essentially. And um, her, her name, if, if she was playing today, would, would be up there with Sam Kerr. In easy, terms of, easily. Um, worldwide recognition. So the very first goal scored by Australia in, in, for a women's international A match was done by Sandra Brenton. And she, she later on scored the first hat-trick as well. So we've got her Australia jersey up. We've got the Desonia Cup. We've got some incredibly old boots. I, I can't remember what year they're from, but I, it may have been the 1950s, I think. Bob Brown. Um, Bob Brown has managed to pull all sorts of amazing things out of his storage. Yes. So, put, putting it together in display, obviously not everything's going to be able to be put on display, but we're, um, we're giving it our best shot, and uh, more and more stuff will come in, and we'll keep rotating. And I think one of the biggest uh, drivers for us to get this up and running was the Women's World Cup, obviously on later this yep. year, because people will be talking football, oh, yeah. um, and the locals will be coming to watch football. Now, they might not all come to the museum, but we have somewhere to, sh- to show people and, and maybe have a function to do with it, and yep. p- put display on the different Socceroos things. Well, obviously, WA has an incredible number of Socceroos who've, mm-hmm. who've come out of here, and we might make a little display. So that, that's the idea behind it, and um, we're, we're really pleased that we finally got there. Obviously, a lot of challenges with doing any kind of uh, refurbishments and buildings in the last two years, um, and the WA Town & Club have been fantastic. It's a lovely partnership there. Yep. And um, not really forgetting, it's next to Dorian Gardens, which is one of the training venues for the World Cup. Yep. So hopefully it'll Absolutely. develop some traffic mm. and they might give it a bit of promotion as well. So we're definitely going to put up some details on our website the next few weeks about um, how people might be able to, to view it. Um, but after that, that opening will be on, on Monday week. And um, I think we're really excited about it. We've still got a little bit of work to do, mind you. Penny, I'm sure you'll be helping out too with a bit of dusting and a bit of polishing. Yes, I will be. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're, we're very excited about it. It's a wonderful. It, and as I said, the first football dedicated museum in Australia should, shouldn't be shouldn't be sniffed at because, you know, the eastern states might think they're superior to yeah. WA, yeah, but, uh, you know, once again, once again, we're first. I hope yep. you've done your first research again. after that comment, dude. <laughs> 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 yep. Oh, you've been on the phone to Andrew Howe. He'll know. Andrew, he's the statistician for um, Football Australia. Um, okay, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. wrote all the encyclopedias about the Matildas and the Socceroos, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> I'm sure he'll love the fact that there's a museum and he'll be over to have a look at it, Vince. That will give yes, a, that will give a bit of publicity and notoriety to it. Oh yeah, mm. <laughs> Vince. Um, hey, wait, oh, oh, sorry, keep going. Yeah. Go on, I was just going to say thank you, but before we wrap it up, you just sneak something in. Go for it. No, I, I was going to say thank you to all those those inductees and others and family members who've donated things, and, and also who are who are going to come along. We're having a, a great response to people who are going to come come along on a Monday night. So um, it'll be it'll be very exciting. It will. Uh, it will be open to the public uh, at a. Date to be advised, I guess, um, after the launch. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, so keep on to the Facebook page for the Football Hall of Fame WA or the website. Thanks, Vince. You've been a legend as always. Thank You're you. Welcome. Is a legend. Go glory tonight. Yeah. Yep. And go um, glory women as well. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And we can get both teams into the finals. Yep. Um, yep. They're both doing with a big shot. If we could talk them into it, they'd be there. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great weekend, Vince. Thanks very much, guys. See ya. See ya, Vince. Nice to chat to you. Vince Matassa from Football Hall of Fame and Perth Glory as well. Thanks, guys. You've been absolutely super. Thank you. You can come back, Tim. You've been awesome. All right. Me, not so much. See you, guys. (laughs) Then and bag.